Welcome to the Locker Room podcast from dailysportscience.com. I'm here with Ross Bennett, Head of Performance at DSS and also Head of Performance at QPR Academy. And Ross, very importantly, I have to add in as well, football coach, technical coach, football guru, soccer guru with the under-15s QPR as well. We have to add, that's very important to add that. It's not just all that sports science, S&C malarkey. It's like proper coaching. Exactly. Now I'm now I'm becoming complete. That's that's, that's that's what I think of it. But I think my job titles are gonna gonna run out of space soon. So my wife wants me that amount of time. But yeah, no, very happy, very delighted. Something that you know I'm I'm aiming to go into. So the the, the start of of a new journey, I guess, for me. Great, so, great. I hope I hope our paths aren't diversion of me going deeper into sports science with the PhD, and then you off going to be a famous Premier League football manager. Well, I've always said to you I'd always bring you in. So I don't, you know. You know <laughs> When, I, when I'm taking Marino's job when he retires, you know, I can I can bring you in, so no problem. <laughs> Will you give me a pay increase? Uh, that's um, all I mentioned. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to discuss, but yeah, sure it'd be worthwhile for you. <laughs> good, good, fair enough. <laughs> well, best to look with the job. And I think it's really interesting because it brings a, a whole new angle um to some of the work and some of the stuff that we can speak about again or or go it, it allows us to go deeper because we have the bit of um, Gaelic football coaching knowledge and now also the football soccer slash knowledge um, and also with youth as well. It's different than working with the adults, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It just gives a real um, holistic kind of lens to, to different development of all, all aspects of the four corners. So, yeah, great to have it on board and, and hopefully it will come into fruition today. Good, good. Okay. All right. So it's the first podcast of the year, 2021. It feels a little bit like Groundhog Day, a bit where actually our very first podcast was during uh, lockdown, the first lockdown, where we broke down what you should be doing during COVID into the four corner approach, technical, tactical, physical and psychosocial. We're back at that stage again. It's a little bit different in that we're focusing on the off season, we're going to speak about, I'm going to call it soccer, unfortunately for our UK and worldwide uh, listeners. Uh, we're going to focus on uh, soccer off season, but also the Gaelic football, uh, GAA off season that we've come into at the moment. And also then alongside that, just obviously mention about COVID and how that has changed and everything like that. Um, just before we go into it, Reminder to everybody, head over to dailysportscience.com. We're doing loads of stuff at the moment. Coaches CPD course that Ross has run recently, which is great. The webinars with Stevie Poacher and Barry Milan and some of the gang have been really, really popular, bringing in outside experts as well from rugby, soccer, GA, SNC, sports science and coaching, uh, youth sport and lots of stuff going on there. So head over to the website. Ross, we'll begin then. Um, so what does the off-season period mean to you? What's its purpose? And I suppose leading from that, has it changed from years ago into the, the, the modern era? Yeah, very, um, very interesting question. Uh, one, one that gets me thinking quite a bit. But I guess to me, the off-season is a period of time where the players are away from the structures and the, the intensity of, of training and playing at the club or county or professional club or, or international, whatever it is. But it gives them an opportunity, I think, psychologically, first and foremost, to have a little period away from their day-to-day job or, or their, their club that they're playing for. 
So I think number one is to rest and recover, you know, in the off season. Uh, this year has been very different and we've been limited with the amount of, especially in Ireland, the amount of football that's happened at club level and, and the county season been brought shorter. But I think that's got to be first and foremost to rest and recover. It, it, it's neglected how important it is to have a period of time just spending time with your family more and, and just physically giving you, your body to recover. But now it's also to use as development as well, development in areas that you don't necessarily get in the, the team training and games. So we'll talk a bit more about that now um, or later on, the development and different areas you can shift in. Um, but it's definitely changed gears. And, and I'm sure you'll come on to the days when, when you were playing and, and the off-season there. It used to be the off-season was a complete down period and, and people didn't do much. So when you come back, you had to, the first two weeks, get people, shock them into getting them fitter and ready for the season. Now players are training all the time and, and the modern athlete is keeping themselves fit all year round. So it shapes your pre-season slightly different. We don't need to blast them as much in yeah. pre-season. It becomes, you can kind of resume a fairly normal training program with slight tweaks here and there. So yeah, that's how I see the off-season. Very different now, very modern um, and, and a very important part that I think you have to get right. Yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking about it because previously you would have looked at season plans and season planners where the off-season would be just a blank space and that that's your downtime or away from the team and people don't care about it. Now it's very, very different where it needs to be planned accordingly and planned very carefully. I mean, if you go back years ago, obviously going back 30, 40 years ago, teams, that was your opportunity to hit the drink, take a break, don't even think about sport and then you arrive back on day one and as, as as you correctly point out it unfortunately means then that you actually need to do a lot of work a lot of fitness work to get a player but then back up to healthy levels you know to lose weight and get back in shape but even if I think back to my own Gaelic football career like we would have gone from club into county with, with Wexford if the club was successful which luckily we were it was strange because you actually had no off season. You may have got like a week or maybe two weeks between the ending of the club uh, when you were knocked out with the provincial, for instance, and then straight into county or other years. If you get beaten in the club quarterfinal or something like that, well, then you might be left with like a, a long off season. You know, it could be a two month. It could be even longer. And interestingly, and probably ties into some of the stuff we're speaking about. The years that I went straight from club into county were always my best years with the county because I was already, I felt like I was already a step ahead of a lot of other players, that I was already fit, uh, highly tuned, tactically aware and everything like that. Um, and at some stage, in the, I was kind of ahead of them already. At some stage in that year, in that season, you needed a break. You know, and that was up to the manager or the coach to decide that, okay, well, actually, that player has been going like two years non, non-stop, so it, they need a little break. But, but that initial period um, of pre-season and from the off-season, because you're so fit and everything like that, you've been playing, you probably, it puts you ahead of the other players, I think. So it shows the importance of tipping along and doing that bit of work in the off-season, I think. Well, you see it, Kiers, with the youth team players and even the first team players and the inter-county players that we've worked with. Um, if you've got two months in pre-season to get a team ready and get players ready, if players come in at a relatively half-decent level, you're not expecting them to be all flying, ready to go, peaking. But if they come in at a half-decent level, you know in the first half of the season they're going to be the players that are performing the best. 
if the players come back in complete horrendous shape and have took their foot off the gas for six to seven weeks, have gone out boozing, gone on holiday, which you, everyone needs to do, of course, but you need to make sure when you come back, you prepare yourself for the off-season a bit more. How long does it take to catch them up? You know, you're spending... I, I, there's some players you're still talking about how bad they come back in shape now. And it's like, well, we're three or four months after this period and it's still over. And the perception it has on the manager, on the coaches, how poorly you do on certain fitness tests, it really, really um, puts you in a poor place. So yeah. I think it's, it's imperative that you come back in a relatively good shape as well as having that downtime and, and relax. It's the balance, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the rest and recuperation is very, very important, obviously. And especially if you've had a really difficult season all you want is a break. But for a lot of players, for whatever reason, maybe haven't had such a hard season. Maybe they've been injured part of it. Maybe, for instance, they've been out of the team. Like They don't need that break as much, you know, and, and maybe they need a short psychological and physical break, but then they can get back into it. And they're thinking, as we spoke about before, this is a window of opportunity for me to maybe work on my non-dominant side or improve my strength or my aerobic capacity or whatever it is. So it's like you're trying to get ahead of those other players. Um, and I think that's important. Let, let's just speak about COVID, obviously, because that has huge percussion, repercussions then on the off-season. And if we focus at the moment just on the GA season, because they're in the off-season at the moment, actually all inter-county players and club players are in an off-season at the moment. Club players in a long off-season and the inter-counties in a, we hope, a short off-season. What effect has COVID had on your off-season this year? And do you think there's any kind of lessons learned from the COVID period that we can bring in to, to improve off-seasons in, in further seasons ahead? Yeah, I think um, I think when you get to a more typical off-season where the players have had a, a, a lot, like you say, those players that have played for county and club or those have had a good season with their club, you, the off-season then is used to maybe develop other areas that they don't get or to maybe give a little bit of rest from the overload they get from certain aspects throughout the season. So you might come off then from a, a technical or the high-intensity technical type work a little bit. Yes, it's an opportunity, like you said, to work on wooden uh, wooden side or non-dominant side and, and different technical elements. But you're probably going to look a little bit more of developing things they don't get during the season and games. The problem is now is that they haven't had that extensive uh, period with their clubs where they've played where they had lots of training time and lots of games so we have to be creative now in, in trying to develop them technically tactically which means the whole world has had to adapt to this online platform of videos and and ball um, you know ball in a wall and different core skills and engaging tactically alongside physical stuff that you might not give them in a traditional off season we're, you know now we're we're looking at like more repeated sprint stuff more lactate stacking whereas in a traditional off season you might say well hold on let's focus on three weeks of purely aerobic block and let's not touch the anaerobic side because we're in it so much during the season so yeah. it really makes you think um it's made us really adaptive really creative so i think for future off seasons we can start to sprinkle in these technical type practices towards the end of a typical off season to prepare them for coming back um but they're the sort of throw thought process that have been going through our minds anyway with with our jobs and and stuff we're giving to the members online yeah i do understand the, the thought process of during covid now because players have been doing so many individual programs and Zoom sessions and everything like that. And some of our members on the group have said, actually, they're just giving their players 
complete time off, you know, that just to give them a break from that. I, de- I definitely understand that. But I suppose if you're thinking of, well, you want to prepare your team for the springtime and maybe your, uh, your season last year wasn't so successful or didn't go on so far, I think there is a, a place to get just to re-engage with your team now, isn't there? Even if it is in the off-season, it's an opportunity to kind of bring the team together. A lot of the teams who actually ultimately were successful, we've heard subsequent stories where they did their quizzes, they did their you know uh, um, Zoom kind of group nights, their chats and challenges and stuff like that. And it did seem to work to kind of bring the team together a bit. Yeah, I think you've got, like you said, it's got to be planned like meticulously. So I use two words, connection and, and disconnection. So when do you want to disconnect from your team? And when do you want your team to be, or your players, individual players to be disconnected from that team process? So you might say, right, we're looking for the spring. Let's give them two weeks disconnect. And we did it in the first lockdown with the, with the QPR players and said, look, we're going to give you a program to take along. You don't have to report anything in. We don't want you to report anything in. Please look after yourself, spend some time at home. But then it's about, okay, now when do we want to re-engage and when do we want to connect the players back to the process and back to the club or county, whoever it is, because that connection gives you more self-worth, makes yeah. you makes the players engage in the process a bit more in terms of their learning and the common goal and the mission and stuff like that, and also starts to prepare them for the time they do come back. So I use them two words all the time. When do you want to connect with players and when do you want to disconnect with players? And, yeah. and you use it to benefit them. Yeah, I think ultimately we're, we're probably talking about your 24-7 athletes, your 365 days a year athletes, but that, that concept. But that it doesn't mean that you're engaged with that team for 365 days a year or 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But you know what you're doing, you know. So like on a given day, that's your down period. On a given period in off-season, that's your two weeks where you're like, you know, you'll tip along and you'll do your runs or do whatever, but you won't have communication with the club. And but at all stages, you're you're thinking like an athlete in some ways. In that, well, I want to remain in shape. And in some ways, like I remember in my own career, those seasons that that happened, I felt uh, fit and healthy and happy. And you know, you're in a good place and everything. So there's not in some ways the twenty four seven athlete gets a bad reputation but in ways like it's a good way of living your life eating healthy and you know looking after oh, yourself yeah <laughs> you, you know I'm going to come back on this I look I have I have, a, I have part of my part of my brain that's very psych driven you know I oversee the psych program but I've also had a few kind of psych programs on my degree and stuff like that yeah. I, I think the 24-7 athlete we have to be careful with because I think it can drive obsessive behavior that can lead to down other paths you don't want it to go but I totally agree with you it's about instilling morals and principles into these players that it's about being professional and if you're going to go out and have a nice meal with the family and have a have a few glasses of wine that's okay because it's all part of the balance and and if you're gonna have a night out the lads that's fine but it's it's about overall being professional and like you said knowing at what time is the right time to do a given task or a given something or make yourself ready to, to, to be able to come back. Yeah. I mean, for instance, knowing like knowing that you're an athlete, but still willing to go, well, do you know what? I actually need a few pints out <laughs> tonight and I need to relax and I need to get away from it all and stuff like that doesn't, that doesn't make you any less of a professional athlete. That means that in that moment on that day, that's what you need. 
you know, that the, the importance, as you say, as the, 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 the psychological corner as well. Okay, we'll move on to the physical stuff. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something out relatively controversial. It annoyed me a bit when I saw people during the first lockdown, it became a thing of like bashing the 5K warriors where people were saying, oh, I'm sick of doing 5K runs. You know, this is not sports science. Um, you know, you might be the best at 5Ks, but, you know, can you kick a ball over the bar and stuff like that? And then I saw as the season went on and actually subsequent to the season with uh, successful teams, you know, SNC coaches come out and said, well, we focus just on speed or we focus just on, um, you know, high speed running. And we didn't worry at all about those kind of longer runs, aerobic runs. And look at how successful we were. And of course, people jumped all over that and said, you know, well, look, that's why they won. It's the typical thing of when a team wins and a little story comes out in the media and then all of a sudden, well, that's the reason why, you know, Limerick hurlers focused on speed. That's why they won. It wasn't anything to do at all with them being the best team in the country and the best hurlers and the best decision makers. It was because they focused on speed. And really, I kind of went, you know what, that is such a load of nonsense in some ways. So anyway, power to the 5K runs is what, what I say in the, in the off-season period. Yeah, look. <laughs> Look, we've had loads of debates even amongst the department, you know, at QPR and around our network. I, I think we've gone mad for, we had a podcast here with Jonas and, and Jonas Dodu, you know, a very good sprint coach who's very highly rated. And, and I think some of his work that he's put out there is fantastic. But I've always said to people that if anyone takes one, one person's program and one aspect of development and say, right, I'm going to base my whole philosophy on that one strand and I'm going to neglect the other areas, I've always said, well, I think you're a fool. You know, it, you, you, you take the best of what someone like Jonas does and the speed development, and, and we're trying to generate quick players. Of course we are, and, and everything else. But you've played. I played to a relatively good level till, till I got released and then went into the Sempro world. If you, if, you, if you can't run around the pitch, and I've been involved in the Gaelic, and it's even more imperative, the physical side. If you can't get around the arena, then having someone who's really fast is kind of irrelevant. You know what I mean? You, you need someone to be able to repeat those actions and to be able to be effective when they're not working maximally to get into a good team shape, team function. You know, all these sort of things. It, you have to develop the aerobic side as well. And yeah. 5Ks are good, but then they have one part. Then we've progressed the program to become more high-intensity work and, and we work along... I like the way you put it, you know? Are you looking sport-specific and to copy the sport? Or are we looking physiologic? physiological specific so we want to drive a certain aspect of physiology that is peripherally based that you can only get during longer tight running or do we want to overload the central adaptations which are more short to high intensity work or do we want to overload the neuromuscular system which then we're going to turn to our our sprint and our max speed and our high velocity work so it all works on a continuum um i'll stand my ground i've always said i'm a bit of a hippie with the endurance work and i think you have the same same view as me i think it has an importance even in players who are predominantly anaerobic they still need a level of aerobic base um but equally the other stuff's important as well so yeah yeah yeah. well it's interesting because as regards to sports specific stuff for some reason people only talk about that in the physical corner so as regards it must be represent exactly the game but if you took that then to all the other corners and you want to develop tactical and technical players well why don't coaches just bring the players along and just play a game and that's it so your their training session every night is well let's play a game because that replicates 
what we'll do on a Sunday afternoon in Crow Park. Now, some people might say, well, yeah, brilliant. But do you not break the, the skills down and work on your kicking, your hand passing, your tackling? Do you not do overloaded situations? Do you not set up like tactical phases of play? Like you take one aspect, you, uh, you isolate one component and you overload it. And that's, that's coaching. That's how you improve and, and progress as, a, as an athlete and as a player. So it... You, not everything has to be sports specific. It's so important that physiological uh, speci- specificity as well. Yeah, and and even on the physical corner. Sorry, because we've gone down a, a bit of a thing now. Um, you know, when people do box to boxes to get high speed running, and the sole purpose is to condition the tissues under high speed running, I understand. But if the same person saying with well, a five k isn't specific, well, mm. someone running box to box with twenty seconds recovery isn't specific to the game. You would do a high speed running bout, depending on position, for example. But you do a high speed running bout maybe every ninety seconds, two minutes, maybe longer than that. So, I think you, you've got mm. to be really careful about sport specific. And like you say, it, it, there's times to replicate the game exactly mm. how it is, but then there's times to isolate every component of performance, whether yeah. it's physical, psych, tech, tack. So. totally agree totally agree yeah the problem see the problem we have is that being a generalist doesn't sell books or sell out courses i mean if if people say to me do you believe in mass and i say yeah i do do you believe in uh, max speed work yes that also locomotive yeah don't forget that um sports specific stuff yeah isolated fitness work yeah that all like you believe in all of it and unfortunately as a coach and as an snc coach you must do all of those things like when you sit down and you design your yearly plan and even your session plan like you're touching on every single one of aspects of them so if you just for instance focus on speed that's my speed block well, what about your aerobic block? What about your recovery and everything like that? So I think in team sport, like unfortunately or fortunately, you, you have to touch on everything. And in ways, that's, that's the art of it, I think, isn't it? For sure. And you always say about players and uh, having as much in their tool be- toolbox as possible. So in any given situation, they can solve the problem, right? So, but we have to have the same as coaches. So we have to have good... Um, you know, good belief and good experience in delivering a whole range of technical, tactical, physical, psych, social to a degree, um, so that when that skill is needed or when you're trying to develop that aspect of performance, you've got the tools to do it. Otherwise, you're just going to lean towards one or two strands of development and what you feel you're comfortable with and what you maybe put more um, weight towards, and you're going to miss other areas of development and give the players gaps. So, yeah. yeah. And I listened to the last point and we, uh, we'll move on. I mean, from our own experience, those highly explosive, fast, um, powerful athletes, if they have a low uh, aerobic capacity, which a lot of them unfortunately do, a lot of times they get injured. A lot of times they can't recover quick enough to repeat that. Like, as you mentioned, there's no point in you being able to sprint down the line once and then doubled over on your knees because you can't get back. You're so like aerobically unfit and you can't recover enough to sprint again and repeat it again and again and again. So I think that's obviously important as well. Um, yeah, what, what kind of protocols then would you use in the off season? And, and I suppose we're, we're talking about off season and then preparing to kind of transition back into preseason, early preseason. Yeah. Well, I mean, sticking with the aerobic stuff then. So 
I've always said the, the off season's an opportunity to do two things at the first stage. Obviously, the first stage, rest and recovery. But as you said there, there might be individuals that have had enough rest and recovery through being injured, long-term injuries, or not playing so much. So they could kind of tend to go. And that's where the individual program comes into it. But they might start their program straight off the bat, really. Maybe a few days away with the, with the missus and, and family or whatever. And then they go into it. But I think first things for me, you overload on the aerobic side. So the season is full of high intensity, intermittent type actions within technical tactical training, within games. And I do believe that you shouldn't overload them too much from a longer aerobic interval stuff during the season, because I think they have enough stresses going on. But there's times where you sprinkle it in. But I think the first part of the off season is to develop that aerobic base. So you go to if you want to start off with your 5k type runs, um, but you can, you can regress down to four minute VO2 max runs, uh, two minute aerobic power stuff. You can get into, you know, all the type of longer aerobic that's going to be predominantly aerobically based and you're not going to tap in too much to the anaerobic um, um, energy systems. But then the other thing I think is, is develop max strength. And I think that, you know, within the season, we are trying to develop strength as best as we can um, around the, the schedule. And, the, you know, there's some good stuff going on in the gym. But can you provide a player who's competent and sufficient enough to go in the off season and actually get some good load in them from a, from a strength perspective? Now, you might say, well, those two physiological qualities are contraindicting and, and how are you going to develop one without the other? We're in a sport that has so many different physiological qualities chucked into one. You're going to have to. We can't just have a four-week block of just strength and neglect everything else. So it's about the balance of the program and it's about the timing of the sessions and, and the volume that you give of each. So that would be my first go-to. And, and I guess then as you transition towards, towards them coming back, you then start to drip in higher Excel decel actions, higher change of direction actions. You start to get them along the speed continuum where you know when they come back, they're going to go into some form of technical tactical training. And those that, you know, utilize GPS systems in, in team sports, you'll know through tech tac training, the Excel decel um, gauge is often through the roof that you can't do individually. So it's an important aspect that you start preparing them for that and also periodizing when you do come in correctly. And also the max speed stuff and you shift towards the higher velocity stuff in the gym where you start to prepare them for the sport and a bit more of a specific way coming back in, into the preseason. I think it's interesting. Dave Tenney, who's the head of performance now at Austin football club in, in America, the new club who was with um, that big football team in Washington state that I cannot remember at this uh, moment that Damien Roden has just come back from. I cannot think of him. Seattle, uh, Seattle Sounders. Seattle Sounders. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seattle, not Washington. Seattle. Uh, yes, yeah, Seattle Sounders. And he was a great believer in developing max strength in the off season because I, exactly as you say that it's a great opportunity to really overload that neuromuscular system. You've loads of time to recover if you need to. You can have a whole day that the only focus of your program is that one aspect, that one component, which is max strength. You don't have to do any football afterwards. You don't have to do any fitness. You can be fresh. You can be ready. Um, and as you say, it's very, it's difficult to develop max speed and the max strength throughout the season when you've got so many training sessions and everything like that. So it, it, it's, it, it's flipped things on its head in some ways that you're going for that kind of real high intensity stuff in the off season in, uh, with regard to max strength. And, and it's, um, it's quite creative. It's something that I, I like. I think it's a good part of the program. It's good use of that time, I think, isn't it? 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. Again, the problem is, make, and part of your job in the season is to make sure that your players are competent enough so that when they go into the gym, they can yeah. safely get after, you know, at max strength and, and start to develop those those qualities. But it's a perfect opportunity to do that. It's a perfect opportunity to, to isolate some aerobic running. And, and I think the two kind of balance out to, to give you quite a nice profile overall, shifting on to coming back into the preseason yeah. or that transition phase. It's good, I think, as well. It's good to mention that all the the, the drills and activities and game and and I, uh, individual work that we're mentioning is actually over on the website dailysportscience.com. Like we we you uploaded in the S and C section previously all the locomotive bits uh, and drills that you can do on your own. You don't need anybody else of that acceleration work, deceleration work, change of direction. Excuse me, change of direction. Um, I don't know, can you do any agility on your own? Maybe not, but, you know, the max speed and everything. So it's good to drip those things in as well, I think, isn't it? Just to to, to keep that component ticking along as well during that period. 100%. And also the stuff that you've done with the ball and the wall. And like, if you think of physically what you're getting out of that technical, you're obviously getting the technical component and mastering a skill, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute. But you're also getting such specific physical movements where change of direction, um, Axel, D-cell, different actions, repetitive actions that you're going to have to do when you come back to training. So we'll jump there in a little bit, but they're the sort of lessons that I think I've personally learned throughout this COVID period to start taking those sort of practices and putting them in the end of a traditional off-season programme so that when they come back, it's not from completely isolated running and gym work straight onto the pitch. There's some bridge, there's some gap in between. Yeah. As you know, I'm part of a really interesting initiative at the moment with Weckford GA, which is High Performance and Sports Science Steering Committee. And one of the members on that group is Shane McCormack, who's a quite a famous speed coach and sprint coach in Ireland, has trained Olympic athletes. And, and he spoke the other day, he sent on some information to us about treating speed and acceleration of those locomotive qualities as a skill in that you can learn them just like you can learn to kick a ball, to run with the ball, to evade players that it's an actually, it's a skill that needs to be taught and learned and practiced. And he made the point about, I mean, we had this issue when we were involved with London GA of that he's getting players because he's involved with Tipperary senior hurling team, one in all Ireland with them brilliant players. But a lot of those players, he said, um, cannot competently sprint as well as, or as, as efficiently as they should do. And that his idea is that if you're getting these lads in at senior level who can't move in the optimal way, it's obviously very difficult to change that. And you can improve it and everything like that, obviously, but you can't change it at that stage. But he's talking about that player pathway, that program from the age of, you know, 12, 14 eight, nine, ten, even younger, that teaching them these skills and improving them and everything. I thought that was quite an interesting way of thinking of it as that these locom... I mean, there is a reason why, why you and I constantly talk about locomotive skills rather than locomotive drills or something. Yeah, 100%. And I think that over the years, I think my one of my gripes with sports scientists and SSE coaches is that we put on these practices to, to develop or to give these physical outputs and, and physical outcomes. 
like there's a 10, 15 minute window of opportunity there to actually coach the player if they're not moving in the most efficient way. And I know there's individual variants amongst players and everyone's going to have their own style, but there are going to be just like when you're teaching someone how to pass a ball or to hand pass the ball or to kick a ball in long, there's going to be key basic fundamentals that you coach. Um, and, and we need to get to a point where we're doing that of our players. But as you say, from if you're working with an inter-senior county player who's always run or changed direction or stopped in a certain way and you're trying to change them, yeah, you can get certain changes, but when they go into the game and they forget about your coaching points, they're probably going to revert back to type. So the importance of having someone to teach these fundamental skills at that age when we're doing fundamental skill work of what we call the foundation phase and maybe the nursery in, in Ireland um, is, is imperative so that they come up with good foundations and they're efficient runners and you can make them more explosive and direct it in different ways and, and, and progress them on. And he, he said an interesting thing about a lot of teams and clubs and sports uh, national governing bodies are developing these physical, develop, uh, physical development frameworks and it's all about how you progress the squat, how you progress the the deadlift, the unilateral work, the Olympic lifts, the upper body, whatever. But I mean, where's the physical development model for speed, for acceleration, for change of direction? And and I, I you know, I think that's definitely true. We we've tried, I think, in our programs with QPR and London and, and with DSS. To, to drip feed that con- continuum in, haven't we? I need reactive work and everything as well. Yeah, it's essential. I mean, seven seven years ago when I came into QPR, I said the same thing. The industry was at a point where we was putting on these practice on the pitch, but no one really knew how to coach certain things or how to develop locomotor skills. You're only as good physically as you are able to apply it. So mm. if your movement's poor and your reaction's poor and your agility in the in the truest form is poor, then in these invasion games, it doesn't really matter how strong you are. You know, you, someone could be half the amount or have half the amount of match strength or rate of force development as, as someone else, but they can apply it very well and they can read cues really well. And technically, they're very sound. They get low center of mass. These sort of things can be coached fairly quickly and fairly easily. So. We need people that are able to do that on the pitch, like they can spend an hour in a gym coaching a squat pattern, a split squat pattern, a deadlift pattern, which, to be honest, even if someone's physically okay, you can develop those patterns within two or three months. You know, yeah. So I think that the pitch stuff definitely needs focus. And I think it has shifted there, but we still need more work there as an industry. Yeah, definitely. Okay, on to the technical uh, uh, work. I mean... Uh, we're big believers in that you, this is an opportunity to work on that. It is a problem, isn't it, with COVID in that you're left doing individual work, um, maybe in twos with someone in your family, but very little. I mean, in the first lockdown, as you say, we actually spent a lot of time. We I, I did that video with the uh, wall ball work. And I was very careful to t- call it skill development rather than skill challenges, because there was all these videos going around of skill challenges, which were great fun and great crack and brilliant to watch. And, and a lot of senior inter-county players did them, which is fantastic um, role models for kids and all. But there is a difference between skill development and, and, and skill challenge, I think. Yeah, of course. And like the problem is with the skill challenge, the amount of repetitions you might do to, to say you're trying to get the ball in a bin, for example, you might have 11 goes. Um, great. On the 11th go, you get it in. It's put on social media. Everyone's having a laugh, which is fantastic. But to actually develop a skill, and it's really good, actually. Um, I saw a slide from Stevie Poacher 
that he did last night to the members and went up on, on um, social media today. And he's talking about ingraining repetition of skill um, yeah. to make it, make it ingrained and automatic so that when you go into high pressure situations, you can perform them. And there's a massive backlog against that, that why would you waste your time in a close skill environment when the game has so many distractions? But look at these top coaches. I mean, we've got a great mentor, Chris Ramsey, Stevie Poacher, who we've never spoke to about this and, and stuff. So he, a great coach and, and well successful, Colin Nally and stuff, doing things online. These good coaches that are out there are doing repetition of certain skills because it has a place and it can improve performance. And you know from your own game, if you're comfortable playing off right foot, left foot in a very closed environment over and back to a partner, when it comes to a game situation where you've got someone closing down, you've got to make decisions, the, the weight of pass has to be different, you're in a better position to do so because the skill's anchored. So you can start to think about other external factors. So I think it's a great opportunity to develop these, these, these skills um, and they have key, key coaching points. Um, but obviously they do have limitations to transfer, which, which you have to consider as well when you go back to training. Yeah, it's interesting. In my own career, I remember spending time with my, my two cousins, Niall and Stephen Collins, when we were playing for Hors Wood GA. And at that time, we were very successful. And every Friday night, every Tuesday night, every Sunday morning, we'd stay on after training and spend, it could be 20 minutes, half an hour, like consistently kicking the ball over the bar, kicking, kick passing over to each other, different distances, different lengths, different, you know, left foot, right foot, inside the foot, outside the foot. It's just that constant repetition, repetition. And you come to a game then, and okay, you can say that in that moment, it's a different pressure, psychological pressure, and it's a different physical pressure. Maybe your man is coming in and, and putting you off balance or whatever, but you've, you've done that movement and that, that execution of the skills so many times that it's, it becomes like second nature to you, that you just swing your foot exact position of the ball that hits the exact same position on your boot every time you know the same angle same movement trajectory of the ball and it just becomes ingrained doesn't and obviously obviously there is a place where you have to do the games-based approach in different scenarios under pressure small side of the game large side of the game but that doesn't mean that you have to only do that again it's yeah. You have to do both. <laughs> That's it, it, what it is. Exactly. I was going to say there, and you just started talking about it, that it doesn't mean that all you do is isolated, close skill practice, and then you send them out to the game. The whole session is based around a certain theme or whatever. You break it down to a close skill. You make sure technically they understand and you give them opportunity to do the repetitions, which is what you can do in the off-season. Then, of course, uh, on the FA course, um, our new uh, FA YCD, QBR Paul Holder, he said, well, then you have to dump it into the game. So you have to put it in a pressure phase of play or a possession practice or the game itself. And then you have to coach them in those situations. So it's all along the continuum. You have to make sure you tick every single one of them to prepare them for the game itself. Yeah. Um, you, it, yep. No, as you say, the off-season like, is obviously a prime opportunity mm. to get them to work on that. But... In, if it's a traditional off-season where they've got six six weeks off and they've played and trained the whole rest of the year, for four of those weeks, I probably wouldn't even wouldn't even program any technical work yeah. in there. It'd only be for the last couple of weeks where you start to reintroduce it and and give them some coaching points. Yeah, COVID is an extra kind of challenge, isn't it? I think it's just important the point to make of that when people think of off-season, they think of the physical aspects of stuff about the 
the running you have to do and everything like that. But it is so important that you engage, especially during this period with the technical work as well, because again, as you mentioned earlier, like that's a huge tool, obviously. And if you're, if you're going to take the next six weeks off without kicking a Gaelic football or a soccer ball, well, why wouldn't you be surprised when you return in six weeks time that your kicking skills is not as good as the previous was? Course is not going to be as good. And it is a physical thing as well, because why would you not be surprised that someone doesn't adapt, gets an adapter overload in the first two weeks or, or has a slight grade one on the, on the rec fem because they haven't kicked the ball for so long. So, yeah. And you're going in back into trading, doing short and medium range passing, which in the main is fine physically, no issue. So, yeah. it, 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 and, you know, we talk about QPR, the physical has such crossover to technical tactical movements that you have to prepare them for that. It's all about preparation. Yeah, I think it's, I, I wanted to mention as well about the technical work, about like the importance as well of imagery when it comes to technical work. And, and also alongside that, like your video analysis or performance analysis or whatever. Now, if you are a senior inter-county player or professional soccer player, you'll have access to Huddle where you can watch all your training sessions, your matches. You can break down different movements. But I mean, you can still, as any player, everyone has access to... Uh, an iPhone, a mobile phone or whatever, you can video yourself or somebody can video your brother or whatever, can video you doing your kicking. You can break down the skill, the the importance of the imagery as well, of like thinking about these things. Okay, how can I improve it a little bit? Like off-season is that opportunity because when you go back into in-season, there's so many things to as a player to be thinking about and you're you're engaged in the programme then. You're thinking about your performance in each training sessions and in the match, whereas the off season gives you that chance to really break down aspects of my game. Okay. What do I really, really want to improve on that? I have time to actually devote to it. Yeah. And, and the thing is as coaches, it's your job to impart that understanding on the player. So exactly what does that player need or what's their job essentials, which we spoke about loads, what's their individual programs, their individual plans to improve on and what's the technical detail those things so that when they're looking at themselves back they can say well my standing foot was a little bit too far away from from the ball or the release of when I'm kick passing the release out of the hand is too early or or the contact is too underneath the ball so I'm getting too much height on it they're the sort of things that they need to know so that when they go off on your season they can do it the right way because you know if you practice the wrong thing over and over again you just get bad at doing that skill or you get good at doing the skill incorrectly so you, you need to make sure as a coach that the players have the detail and they know that detail. It, during the initial lockdown, I, I wasn't actually involved, but wasn't there some Zoom sessions with some of the QPR underage players with the, both yourself, but also with the, some of the technical coaches? And, and how, I'm just, I'm thinking of your underage club coach who may be listening to this and they're thinking, okay, well, what can I do as a coach? A bit of fun, but also an opportunity to work on a bit of technique and technical practice. Yeah, and it comes back to the thing about connection, right? So you knew that you knew that the players were going to come back at some point. At that point from COVID, it was three or four weeks away. So it was the time to start building that connection or, or increasing the intensity of the connection. But from a from a skill perspective, yeah. So we did uh, some Zoom calls. They did twenty minutes with with myself and from a physical perspective, and we did some basic stability exercises some of the kids were really young and some movement patterns, and then they flipped it and then they did twenty minutes of of uh, technical work and Paul Furlong came in and did a session with the foundation phase. We had Lee Hayes and a few of the other coaches there doing some skill work on basic hooks, 
stuff that we would do in the training and the technical detail we'd give them in training, but you can just rejog their memory and, and give them an opportunity to practice in their garden, in their living room, um, yeah. whatever space they're at home. And, and it just reminds them of the detail of the stuff. So talking about inside hook, what part of the foot do you want to hit it on? Talk about the, the rotation of the hip, talk about the movement in between, nice and low, choppy steps, all these sort of things. And then when they go and practice it and they play over the park, that the, the technical points are back in their mm. mind and they're getting re-engaged to coming back to training. So yeah. as well as the, the connection and the psych social aspect, which yeah. is equally as important there. Yeah, it's, a, it's good fun. I would call that work ball manipulation, you know, where your player, player, it's just one player and a ball and can they manipulate it with their foot or different parts of the body. And probably in the GA world, we haven't done much of that actually at underage. And I'm interested maybe in the future, that's something that the GA coaches would engage with a bit more, um, especially because in GA, like you use all parts of the body <laughs> in GA as well. So that could be something to think about. Um, linking in with that then on the tactical side, I always think like, especially with COVID, this is a brilliant opportunity to work on tactical stuff. And again, it's probably technical and physical is what people would focus on, but forget about the tactical. And I mean, I know we've mentioned previously at some stage, maybe on a webinar about Bernard Jackman, who's part of our Daily Sports Science WhatsApp group. He was saying with himself and some other coaches, rugby coaches, they take a clip. It could be, you know, Ireland v England in the rugby and there's a try or something, obviously for Ireland. And he would take that clip, post it into the WhatsApp group and maybe start off with a few kind of leading questions about, you know, what do you think about that centre there? What could he have done differently, you know, when he missed that tackle? Or tell us something good about that team's starting position. And he was saying, like, it sparks such good debate and people engaging. And I mean, that, that can, in my mind, that can be done at any age group, in any sport, at, at any level. Yeah, 100%. And I think the COVID uh, period got us up to grips with things like Zoom and stuff we're using for the podcast and players yeah. logging on and, and sharing clips. And I think it, it's a real good platform to be able to get people together, but also to have some really good discussions. So we're going to do one from so under 16s and down now over here. Well, at our academy anyway, off at the moment as COVID obviously escalates a bit more. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a session with the top end 1615s around their job essentials, out of possession task and in possession task. And we're going to do exactly that. We're going to give them the opportunity to present something back first on the clips they have. But then it's an opportunity to actually break down certain clips of previous games and reflect on their job roles on different aspects of their performance and enhance their learning on stuff tactically. So, you know, if the number nine does this, for example, or mm -hmm. the centre forward in Gaelic does this, what does your midfielder do? What does your uh, wing forward do? Does he lock onto that man? Does he stop the passing lane? And, and them sort of discussions over time, they build the player's uh, confidence and knowledge around what they need to do on the pitch. So when they come back, you're not having to stop every practice and saying, mm. what, what are you doing out there? Tuck yourself in, the ball's on the other side of the pitch. They're saying, well, actually, we spoke about that two weeks ago. I'm going to mm. come in the pitch. And, and you don't have to keep stopping it and revisiting basic principles so yeah. it's, it's a great opportunity again for that connection but also for extra learning detailed learning that maybe you don't get the opportunity to do in coaching sessions you know yeah see I, I really like this type of stuff because I think if you just focus on your coaching and the sessions you're missing so much learning that happens even off the pitch and when players and coaches dig down deep into their own game or their tactical setup and it gives them an opportunity of 
questioning or answering, well, why do we play that way? Or why why should I move out wide in that situation? Should I not come in off the line? And, and that's where your coach, that's where the coach does his or her job in that instance. And if you think about it, it works all the way up to the highest level, professional elite level, because you can really question your players and go, okay, off you go, bring back clips from huddle or whatever it is, showing us situations that, you know, you did well in as a group, as a unit, as a team, or areas of development that you work on, you want to work on, you know, so you get a chance to kind of really go deep into the detail. And for instance, at the complete opposite, uh, other opposite end of the scale of kids, like if you're working with really young kids, like six, eight, 10, 12 year olds, whatever, like what a great opportunity to get learning from them, as you say, but also maybe involve the parents. Maybe the parents have to help them out, you know, getting a video clip or analyzing some stuff. And if you're looking to do that, if you're looking to engage the parents a little bit with the kids, um, playing and, and stuff like that and their, their, you know, little career, well, then it's a, it's a great opportunity to do that, I think, as well. Yeah, spot on. And I think it's about feeling the group as well, right? So if, if you've got like a, like, I don't know how young you go down to over in the Gaelic, but let's say under eights in football here up to under 11s, you're probably not going to talk about the wingers tucking in and, and mm. stuff like that. You're going to talk more about ball manipulation and give them some feedback on that in certain games and maybe individual movement. So how could you have moved in that scenario to get on the ball better, to give yourself a chance to dominate 1v1? But then as you go up the pyramid, then you start to drip in the, the tactical stuff on more of a paired movement. So maybe it's about different rotation with another player or basic cover and support when the, the first defender locks on um, and goes to try and win the ball back. And then as you get further up the pyramid, it's about team function stuff and how can the team help to to do whatever you want to do, either penetrate or, or win the ball back. But coming back to the group, I think it's about, depending on where the group are, if the group's a good group and they're very good self-learners and, and they take on knowledge really well and you'll know your group and how, mm. how, how competent they are in that area, you try and get them to lead all the answers. So yeah. you're yeah. hoping that when the tasks come back, you're saying, well, I just need to add on the little cherry here to say about, have you thought about defending the channel side? Because all the other answers are right. You've, you spoke about locking on, you spoke about triggers. But then if you're working with a group of the same age group who are further behind and their understanding is poor, then you know the coach has to lead it a little bit more and structure that session mm -hmm. in a way that's more teacher-based as opposed to playership owned. So I, th I think it's a great opportunity to know your group more and, and actually see what they come up with with the tasks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's good. It's good because when we were involved with London, I mean, we got to the stage where the less we were speaking in meetings and the less work that we were doing on, for instance, opposition analysis, the better because the players are the ones at that level. They have to be doing it. There's no point in me knowing how to, you know, to close down uh, Damien Comer and what positions and what pockets of the field he pops up in to receive the ball. It's important that the man who is marking him or the fullback and the centre-back unit together, that they're the ones who have that knowledge. Um, so I think it's very important that the players engage. I think we've probably largely covered with a lot of things that psychosocial aspect of it then, um, of the off-season. I mean, first of all, like you mentioned at the very beginning, it's just that rest and recuperation and just rather than just physically having a bit of a downtime, just mentally switching off at times or for a, a set period of time, depending on the, your own situation. Yeah, and, and I'll come back to it again because this is a term that I've used quite recently, but 
it's about like planning to disconnect the player from from what they do all year round or or the other stresses. The one thing I would add in, and especially if there's any youth youth coach um, youth coaches who work with underage and stuff, obviously if there's kids that you're worried about from a social support perspective, and actually keeping some contact might be really good for them, then that's where you individualize that. So you, that just might be a coach, you know, messaging a, a player of under 14, 15 with the parent involved for safeguarding reasons, just how are you, what are you up to? Maybe they yeah. can't go away on holiday for financial reasons. And, yeah. you know, just knowing your group like that. But if someone's from a fairly stable environment, then you say, Do you know what, you know, this is, this is the world at times. You could, we can't spoon feed you all the time. So have your two weeks, three weeks away, and then we'll start to re-engage and, and, and bring you back in psychologically before, yeah. before we come back in. Yeah, I think it's important. Let's, let's say if you go to the adult side of things during COVID for this year, there will be a lot of people who are, have additional stresses of maybe they've lost their job, maybe they're worried, you know, family members getting sick, etc. So obviously that's a very important thing that you need to um, be aware of. And the thing is, as well, we're very fortunate that we've got, you know, psychological support at the academy and, and a lot of freshman clubs and county clubs will have that. But you don't have to be a psychologist to be able to be able to be there for someone and be able to be on the other end of the phone. If you're a coach or a manager or selector or even the fitness coach or the physio, then ringing a player and chatting about their problems for half an hour will do the world of good. Yeah. So it's a little bit of time and it's a little bit of time away from your day that you're giving back to someone if you think it's the best thing for that player. Yeah. La last question. And uh, I'm going to answer it first myself before I ask you about like anything that this COVID period has kind of taught you about off season and preparation, what you might use in the future or anything else. But for me, it's like I always speak about our own careers, DSS business, different things like that, in that Obviously, there's so many bad things to do with COVID and the pandemic and like you would never discount those or play them down at all. But on the other hand, there are opportunities as well. And if you're flexible and adaptable, creative, you can view this as an opportunity to engage your team in a slightly different way. And you might get to know your players differently in a different social setting. I mean, doing a, a Zoom quiz with your team, like when would you ever do that in a normal season? You, you probably wouldn't, you know. Um, so think of it as an opportunity as well. And an opportunity, like we mentioned, to work on your wooden side to embed your 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 tactics or your team play or maybe work on specific windows uh, specific things about your game that you you want to work on yeah great things kids i think one for me in terms of covid was how much i actually love my job <laughs> in terms of go, <laughs> going into the office and being in and, and working with the players you know, I had some great times with the family at home and, and the little man growing up as well, but yeah. it really does give you the hunger to go back in. Um, yeah. I think, like you said, know your players more and and utilize the time that you'd normally spend planning for sessions and coaching to actually think about what can I, what services can I give to the players at the mm. right time? Too many times I see coaches, mainly like fitness coaches and sports scientists are pretty good in these times. They, they, they put in the extra work and they get programs out. I see coaches think, well, we can't go on the grass. So that's my job done. Well, mm. no, like this is the time where you have to ramp your services up, really tap into your, your intellect and your knowledge and experiences and try yeah. to impart it in a different way. Just like the teachers have to do at the moment where kids mm. are in schools, you know, they have to teach the kids in a, in a different way. 
And, and the other thing for me is about, um, like you said, the, the adaptability of going online. Like we did a lot of series of technical work, of locomotive work, that we now have a bank of resources that we can use for future programs that we didn't really do before. So yep. because it was such a short period of time, five weeks away. So I think we've gained so much out of this period, um, yeah. especially for DSS and, and, and QPR and stuff like that, that yeah. I think it would always be there now as, as a reference point for certain things. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Okay, Ross, thank you very much uh, uh, again for this week. I think it's really interesting. We, we'll be releasing a, a yearly training planner for the GA season very soon. We're just waiting to hear definite dates as regards from the GA about when clubs were, are likely to start and everything. There'll be a little bit of flexibility and adaptability when it comes to that, but um, we'll get it in the planner and we'll get it up on the products page soon. Um, aside from that, make sure go over to dailysportscience.com. Uh, loads of good content. Good time to join up as well because we're at the start of the season and there's so much information. And, and uh, as we mentioned, actually, an opportunity and a time for coaches to Ross in some ways like to work on their like their CPD and and their um, improving themselves as coaches. I think. Yeah, of course. There's loads of resources from a whole different um, members of your team i guess at daily sports science over with the cpd with myself you and joe the webinars that are going up i know stevie poachers webinars are flying through the roof with numbers we've got <laughs> stuff from barry and the hurling we've got physical stuff on there we've got a whole plethora of things but i just want to say thanks to all the, the coaches and the people that have signed up we've now got an, a, an amazing response over christmas and i think yeah. that some you talk about players driving things on the WhatsApp group, we've got coaches driving things and it, and it's not just our voices and our opinions, people yeah. coming with different angles and it's fantastic, you know? So yeah. thanks to everyone who supported the DSS um, franchise and the business and it, it's, it's going really well. So Yeah, it's great. We've got, we've got just under 600 coaches now signed up to the club um, and myself and Ross just before this podcast actually had a really good meeting with um, some multimedia experts in Dublin about launching at some stage later in the year an online certificate of um, performance coaching DSS performance coaching uh, level one so that should be really really exciting so thanks Ross um, and we'll speak again in, in, the, in the coming weeks cheers kids